Welcome to Kashris on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashris Magazine. And tonight's show, I think, is going to be very interesting. It's a little different than we usually do. It's a, more on the halakhic subject. It's about benching, about the meal that we have, and a lot of halakhas that I think most people don't know. And if you do know them, I think it'll be a good chazara because these are not halakhas that you always find and you hear about. They're a little more uh, hidden. And I think that many people will be a little surprised at some of the things they're going to learn tonight. The reason we came to the idea of benching, which of course everybody understands is important, is because of last week's Parsha, which we learned. We said, V'yachalto v'savato uveirachto es Hashem elokecha ala aretz ha-toiva shenasanloch. We say that, we thank, we say that uh, we're supposed to eat and, and be satisfied and bench and, ask, and thank Hashem for the land that we gave and gave us and the food that He gave us. So that's, that's the idea of the benching. Uh, there one of the uh, aspects is, uh, you know, benching I, is something that uh, that's normal. I mean, that's that that's simple, right? Don't you? Somebody gives you something, don't you thank them? Shabbos morning, I had somebody over in my house, stayed over overnight, and uh, he he wanted a, 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 a I'm sorry, an iced coffee. So I made him an iced coffee. An iced coffee, uh, you got to get the uh, use klishlishi, and then you got to go and make uh, uh, and put in some uh, coffee and some sugar and some milk, and then I put ice cubes in, and uh, it took a few minutes. It was very little kapachkid, bar Hashem. I gave it to him, and he said to me, "Thank you." He didn't say thank you. He said, "Thank you." He said it with a little, you know enthusiasm and appreciation. I felt it in the words. I felt the way he said it. It's interesting how we don't take our words seriously. We just say, thank you, you're welcome. <laughs> What's your welcome? And uh, we don't think, we just speak. Now, I think the Millie used to tell us, say it a second time. You know, let's say somebody would say, have a nice day, and, they, and they're halfway down the block. Say it another time. Say it to the guy even though he can't hear you. Because then, then you mean it. When you said it, have a nice day, <laughs> you're welcome, it didn't mean anything. But this fellow said thank you, and in that moment I felt he was really thanking me. He said it in a very nice way. And I said to him, I asked him, I said, is this you speaking, or is this your mother speaking? Because we were all trained as kids. When somebody gives you something, you say thank you. So I was wondering, I said, is this really you or this is your, this is your mother speaking? You know, you, you've been trained in this way. And that got me to think about this mitzvah of benching. And I was wondering, why is it that the Torah goes ahead and says, The Gemara says, That if a person benches, you certainly said, make a bracha rishona, asking Hashem. But we were trained from our, almost from the cradle by our parents. When somebody gives you something, you say thank you. It's only logical. Why did the Torah feel it was necessary to tell a Jew that he's got a bench, he's got to thank Hashem, when he, he got something that, that was very important and made him, it was satisfied him, meaning he needed it for his existence, and his stomach didn't hurt anymore, and it, the savata he enjoyed it, and his body is is all Im- improved by it. So why why would you think that you have to tell a person to bench? So I heard a chasidish taich, and I think it's cute. The chasidish taich on this whole in of chalta v'savata b'rachta. I think it's a beautiful concept. The chasidim, some of them anyway, they say a nice pshat. I think this is from one of the Belzer Rebbes. I'm not sure. Oh, but, but anyway, it, it's uh, a nice touch. He said, "Vachalto v'savato." That you do. Ah, you know how to eat. You enjoy eating. It's geschmack. And v'savato means that you were satisfied, so you feel better. You feel your stomach is filled up now. You don't have that uh, need that you had when you were hungry. Life is good. V'savato. And you do with enthusiasm. And you see when people eat, sometimes they eat the nonstop. They're just stooping the food in. They love it so much. It's gewaltig. It's gewaltig, the food. So they're eating like, like there's no tomorrow. And they're having a geschmack from it. That's the way you have to bench. The sava- it's not the, it was no chiddish that you have to bench. That, that your mother taught you. That you thank somebody who gave you something. The chiddish is 
that that you thank them with enthusiasm, just like you ate with enthusiasm. Some people are so knocked out after the meal, the benching, <laughs> the benching is, uh, I don't know, it's certainly not a benching. It's certainly nothing in it. We won't have to fight us, a Yetzirah to do it, but that's what you're supposed to do. Benching is supposed to be benching. Vigda Miller, when he taught us, he said an interesting thing. He said that uh, the bracha, uh, you know, we sing a bracha on a food. It's the food that makes the bracha go down well. You see the, a delicious apple? And that causes you to make the Baruch HaToh Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Boirei Peri HaEitz. What caused you to say that Kishmaka Bracha? The beautiful food in front of you. So the food makes the Bracha go down well. If you didn't eat it, you say Baruch HaToh You wouldn't really say a real Bracha. But when you see that food and you see it's Kishmak, so then you can get out a nice Bracha before it, hopefully. But the but we can say now another shot. We can say that when you bench, the the food that you ate makes the benching exciting. If you had a good meal, just like you thank the woman who made it, or the man who made it, or the person who invited you to the meal, let's say in a restaurant or a hotel, and and you thank you, thank you very much. Then then if you if you're saying that, but say it with the geschmack that you enjoyed it. That's that's that, that's a very nice chassidish teich. Ravavigda Miller taught us an interesting thing, and I just heard this Mozi Shabbos. I've heard it before from him, but we we, sh- we show videos from Ravavigda Miller. We have 105 videos of Rav Miller, and we show them on a regular basis. So anyway, it's very interesting um, what he said last Mozi Shabbos. He's saying how it simply was talking about Tishabov, and he was he was telling us how. Um, in the benching, oh, let's go, we'll go one, one step ahead. Let's take the Indian of bris. The man has a bris, and the bris is extremely important. If a person does not have a bris, he's chayev kares. He's supposed to be cut off from the people, die before his time, lose his children, be set away from the, the Jewish society, all because he didn't have bris, because he didn't really want to be part of us. It's understandable that he didn't want to be a Jew, so we, so he's, he's not really going to be like us. He, he didn't have a bris. But the bris that we're talking about that a person gets curries for is the bris for himself, not for his child. If a man doesn't, doesn't, uh, take a, doesn't do the mila for his child, he's over an essay, there's an avera, but it's not the same quality as if he doesn't have a mila done for himself. So the mitzvah we're talking about mila that's so important is the mila that the, that a man does for himself. Of course, none of us did it for ourselves. The fathers did it. So really, we never really had the chance to do the mitzvah. So here's this tremendous mitzvah, Rabbi Miller said. This tremendous mitzvah, and we are not getting it. We're not doing it. We, we didn't have it at all because we didn't do it on ourselves. And not only that, but at the, the, when we were eight days old, and the sandik was holding you, you were kicking. You were trying to get out of there. And 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 if and when they, and he, when it was he felt cold because his, his body's exposed, or the the, the moil touched him in a way, and he's even before the bris, he doesn't want to be here. He's trying to get out. And the moil says to the sandik, hold him tight. Put your hands here and hold him tight. And <laughs> the boy doesn't want to be there. So how does he get rewards for this mitzvah of bris, which is supposed to be such an important mitzvah that there are only two mitzvahs that are essay, that are positive commandments, that a person gets punished with kares. One is not eating the korban Pesach, and one is not having a bris performed on himself. So really, he's, this is somebody who's disassociating himself from the Jewish people. And if the mitzvah should be such a great mitzvah, David HaMelech was excited when he saw the bris, and he had nothing else with him. No, no tefillin on and no tzitzis. But at least I have a bris. He felt gewaltic. So w- what does it mean that we are supposed to, we have a mitzvah of a bris? <laughs> we never did it. So Rodrigo Mill explained, there's such a thing as retroactive appreciation. That's the phrase he used. Retroactive appreciation. I'm benching now, 
and I say, On the bris, I'm thanking you, Hashem, I'm thanking you, Hashem, for the fact that you made a bris in me. That you, that you had required me to make a bris in myself. So even though I never did it, but retroactively, I'm appreciating it. If you show appreciation retroactively, then you're doing something, and you're doing something real. And just like, for example, it says we thank Hashem, we're thanking Hashem for the food that we already ate and it's gone, and we're thanking Hashem for the land which we basically lost. I know we have Israel today, but we lost Eretz Israel with the full the full concept of what Eretz Israel was, with the base of Migdash, with Kohanim and the Avaida, and with what we had at one time, it, we lost it. Hopefully we'll get it back in our lives, and and is and definitely going to get it back, but still in all, we lost it. But we can thank Hashem, Limafreya, afterwards, and that's like the bris were thanking Hashem afterwards, thanking Hashem for the fact that we had it. And Rebbe Mill used to say also, a person getting older, and maybe he doesn't even feel well anymore. But you could thank Hashem for all the times you were able to eat and you were able to enjoy and able to run and able to, to have this simcha or that simcha, even if you don't have it anymore, even if the eyes are failing and the hands are failing. But it, you could thank Hashem for all the years that you had. That's for sure what we call you know, this, uh, this, um, this uh, gratification that we are, we're talking about, which is uh, retroactive gratification, retroactive appreciation. And that's actually our responsibility in the bench. So it's just a, a thought that Rav Miller had. And now I want to discuss some of the halachas. To me, the really overriding halacha that's important is the idea of how much you eat, how fast you eat it, and you know, they're not talking and not doing anything else until you eat it, because that's the mechai of the benching. When I was younger, I remember studying, learning the tshuva from Rav Moshe, and it was a shock to me. You know, Rav Moshe Feinstein was a big, big, big Talmud Chacham. And he he could paskin, I mean, my Rebbe talks about the Dibris Moshe and such reverence which most of the people don't know anything about the Dibris Moshe because it's all very hard and it's very long and and people are not that sophisticated to be able to go through Dibris Moshe or certainly not too many of them. And he talks endlessly about the greatness of a Moshe that he sees in the Dibris. But in the Igris Moshe, we all knew that he paskin big Shilas, life and death and who knows, whatever big things were paskining in, the, in there. And I saw this truth and I said, I can't believe it. Rav Moshe Feinstein paskined that if a person goes to a chasna, and boy, this was the way it always was, and still, unfortunately, it still is. Maybe it's worse today, I don't know. I'm not in the women's section, so I don't know. And in the men's side, I don't see it that much, because uh, men enjoy a good piece of bread. But uh, not that I eat that much of it anymore, but the, but most men like to eat a big chunk of bad bread. And the, in the women's side, what used to happen, and it still probably goes on, a woman would make hamotzi, take a little nibble of the bread, of well, let's see, a roll, a little nibble of it, and the end of the meal, she had, of course, she had the soup and the entree and the soup and the main. Yeah, she had all the foods. At the end, you see this roll with a nibble in it. And Ramosha says, a tshuva, a whole tshuva, a whole responsa, paskening the din. You weren't Yotze, a su'uda. All the brachas you made, the mitamotzi didn't take care of any of the foods. You ate all the foods at the meal without a bracha on them, and you're required to have made brachas on them, and the bracha acharona would be berena fashos. You shouldn't have benched. And, you know, to me, I looked at this thing, I said, Moshe Feinstein's baskening, you need a kezayas to bench. Everybody knows that. The Gemara... In Brachos, this is one of the most famous Gemaras in Brachos. The Gemara in Brachos is, uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, Andaf uh, Mem uh, Hey, uh, I think it's, yeah, Mem Hey Amun Aleph, Ad Kama Mizamnim. How much do you have to eat in order to be included in the Zimun? 
Rabbi Meir says a kezayis, and Rabbi Yehuda says yinebeya. Abeya is a double kezayis size. We'll get to in a minute what, what's a kezayis and what's a kebeya. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do that in just a couple of minutes. So, you know, the, it, a kezayis is a little thing. Let's, you know, let's give the numbers already. What I'm going to give you is how my Rebbe taught it. Ravashazim and Zatzal. I saw Svarim today, and they're using small in numbers. Uh, I think maybe Rabbi Badner, Pinterest Badner may have small numbers in his book on Kazayas. And there are people giving out small numbers. But I heard many Rabbonim use these numbers. That's how I was brought up. And that's what I hear many Rabbonim using till today. So I mean, I'm going to use the numbers that I know. One piece of white bread is definitely a Kazayas. And one piece of rye bread from the middle of the rye bread is definitely a beya, which is a double kezayis. So if you want to know a definite kezayis, we're going to use a half of a big piece of rye bread or a small or a piece of white bread that you, uh, that you just have, uh, you know, one piece. And uh, you can imagine that that's what we're calling uh, a kezayis. And a beya is a double kezayis. It's the middle slice of a rye bread. Maybe not the biggest, biggest piece, but one of the big pieces. That would be a definitely beya, but doesn't mean to say that it couldn't be smaller than that. But that's a safe bet when you're eating. So now, that's what this person's supposed to have. A kezayis. So, the Gemara says, the same Gemara brachos, but a different place, in Davchofim base, it says that Hashem isn't playing fair. Hashem is, uh, is showing favoritism to the Jewish people. It says that you're not the lo yisa upon, uh, a person is not lo yisa upon him. A person isn't supposed to show favoritism to any individual and not to take a bribe. So how come Hashem says, Yisa Hashem How come Hashem is showing favoritism to the Jewish people? So the Gemara says, a beautiful Gemara, Gemara says, that I wrote in the Torah, Hashem says, I wrote in the Torah, I said you have to eat, and you have to be satisfied. And then you bench. And you know what the Jews are doing? The machloikas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, whether you need a kezayis or a beya, whether you need a piece of white bread, and that's called filling yourself up. One single piece of white bread, that's called severe. That's satisfaction. One, Not anything on it. One single piece of white bread, that's satisfying. You need a benching. According to Rabbi Meir, you have to bench from the Torah, that the Torah requires benching for that. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, you need a double size, a, a piece of rye bread. Most people, when they eat rye bread, I see them, they eat three, four, five, three, three slices and the boys in yeshiva could eat six slices. And I've heard stories, who knows what, that, that, that people really very much, I mean, the rye bread is geschmack, and people like to eat it a lot. So you're called satisfied on a half a piece of white rye bread, on one little piece of white bread. Amazing. And, and, and that's what we paskind, that you bench on a kezayis, which we call one piece of white bread. But a person who's going ahead at a chasana or a Shabbos Uda, and they have a piece that's given to them. And when the, rab, when the, the man gives out, if the balabayas makes a mozi for everybody, which most people do today, I think, when he makes a mozi for everybody, he should give each person at the table at least a kezayas. We're going to see why in a minute. And when he gives this kezayas to everybody, they're supposed to eat it. And here, this person gets this piece of challah and takes a nibble and then eats a whole meal. And the benching, when they're ready to go bench, in front of them is that original piece of bread that was given, challah that was given to them at the very beginning of the meal. <laughs> Says Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, you can't bench. And you had to make a bracha on every one of the foods you ate. Shahako food, or Dhamma food, or Mizona's food, whatever it is, or AIDS, whatever the brachas were supposed to be. Consider there's no bread there. Because if you didn't if you didn't eat a, a kazayas, 
of bread. You can't, you can't bench. Let's go to step two. Now that kazayas, what if you took a nibble out of it every five minutes and you finish the kazayas after 15 minutes? You were eating, you were talking, you were, you were, you, you, whatever you were doing. Maybe you're learning, maybe you're singing, I don't know. And then you, you did and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And it took 15 minutes to eat that little piece of challah that was given at the beginning of the meal. That's not called eating. It has to be eating a kezayas in the time it's called achilas pras. What is that? Nobody knows. Some, some people say it's two minutes. Some people say nine or maybe 11. But the average psak is three to four minutes. Ramosh used the number three to four minutes. The Arachashulchan used the number three to four minutes. Three or four minutes, that's sort of it's accepted as the norm for eating a kezayas bechiras pras, to eating the required time to eat it. And when we have the matzah and pesah, we start right away. And this, uh, when we make hamotzi and we eat the matzah, we try to get it all down right away. And that, that one time during the year, we sit and eat without talking, and we swallow our food, and we try to rush it up a little bit. Some people were tra- trained properly. They do the same thing on sukkahs. They eat uh, a beya size, a nice big fat amount, double size, it's like the, of, of challah for the hamotzi, and then they because the Mikhaim, the the Tesvav, Tesvav, similar to where, what they do on, on Pesach night, the, the comparison between the two Yom Tovim. Okay, fine. But that's two nights a year. What about the rest of the time? I see people. They take a bite, and they start talking. First of all, do you know that you can't talk until you swallow? Not when you chew. You have to swallow. You have to swallow the food. If you start, if you took a bite and you start talking, first of all, it's not really up here. You're not really talking with food in your mouth. That's what it really says in halacha. But we're talking about America. We're talking about 2017. Don't bother me with what should have been. Tell me what the halacha is, the bottom line. Okay, so bottom line, you can't talk until you've eaten something that went down your throat. There is a shita, which is brought, which is that if you chewed it to the extent that some of the, the the flavor went down. Like when you chew a piece of gum or when you chew, when you suck on a lolly uh, or you suck on a, uh, you know, say a, a candy and the, and the juices start going down the throat and you have the pleasure of that. So even though you're not chewing anything, nothing's being swallowed, it's just a liquid that's already called achila, according to some, and others hold no. You have to actually eat the thing and swallow. And in Mishnah Brura, the Chafetz Chaim says, and we're going to talk about this now, and I know for many people this is a total shock, but really you should not be doing any talking until you have a kezayis, which means that when a person passes out that little piece of chal in the beginning, it should be a size of a kezayis or more, and you should try to finish it before you do anything else. Some try to do to swallow it, you know, eat it without putting anything on it and without eating anything with it. But at least if you swallow something, then a you're going to be it's going to be considered an achila. It's going to be you, you could do maybe you can talk, and certainly uh, it's going to start counting for your three or four minutes for your kezayis to be chiras so at least swallow something. Preferably, so what Mishnah Brewer says, if it's not a shasatchak, if it's not difficult, he says you should definitely swallow a kezayis. And we're going to mention now a few reasons why it's very important to have a kezayis in the beginning of the meal. And I, I, mean, I mean, you understand that even if you swallow a little and you talk, but you really should concentrate on swallowing, swallowing a kezayis in the beginning of the meal. I mean, and we mentioned some of the reasons already. One reason is because if you don't swallow kezayis in the beginning of the meal, then you you may never get a kezayis bichdechios pras. Food's too good. Food's great, and you're taking your nibbles here and there. It's not going to add up to anything. 
It's not going to add up to anything near a kazayas, and certainly not a kazayas bichelus pras. You're not going to be able to get the three to four minutes in, and you're not going to be able to even get the amount in probably. And therefore, at the end of the meal, things are left over. You didn't have the whole piece that they handed you at the beginning of the meal. And al piyalocha, you can't bench. And all the bracha, all the foods you ate required brachas, and they didn't get them. It was a whole misunderstanding. You thinking it's a su'uda because you're sitting down at the table and it's Shabbos and there's chal on the table and you washed your hands and that makes it a su'uda. It's not that way. It's the other way around. You eat the required amount in the required time. That makes it a su'uda. And that's why you wash your hands and that's why it's a su'uda for Shabbos and that's why you bench. But it doesn't work the way you're think, saying that. It, 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 because you're sitting down and you're making a whole meal out of it and you, 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 you washed your hands and uh, you, you ate some challah, that that somehow call, you call it a meal. No, it has to be the minimum amount is a kezayis and the kezayis has to be had in kedei achilas pras. Now let me just tell you what it says in Pis Chuvas because he put it together, I think, very, very well. I'll try to do this. Okay, he brings here a number of reasons. If you don't know who the Piskei was is somebody living in Israel who this, this is a gathered material together in a beautiful fashion. I think most of the the people today who know halacha are quite well versed in Piskei I even attended a, a Shabbos davening in Muncie not so long ago. The very chosh of a rov, and he was quoting left and right from Piskei and many people do. It's a wonderful source of information. So he brought here a few different reasons why it's proper to, to, to start the meal off with a kezayis. Number one. The reason why you don't have to make a bracha on meat and the soup and the, the potatoes and everything else is because you say it's, a, it's accompanying the meal, it's accompanying the bread. So you have to have the bread there. So if you don't have any start of a real meal, then how is it you're going to say this is, is going to connect to it? Let's take the example of the woman. I'm only picking on the women because that was common in those days, but I, it could be the men are just as bad. The person at the chasana who took the little nibble in the beginning, mamish, a little teeny nibble, and they have the whole meal. And then somebody goes over to them and says, you know, you really have to eat a kezayis. Yeah? You think so? Yeah, you have to eat a kezayis. How much is a kezayis? Wow! That much? Really? Okay, if you say so, they finished the whole meal already. So how in the world are you going to say that everything you ate is connected to that which you have afterwards? It's a very hard sell. In the proper way is that you start off the meal and you made it a meal. You had a kezayis of bread. Now it's a meal. It qualifies as a meal. And now since it's qualified as a meal, I don't need brachas and anything else. Even though I'm not putting eating with bread. Even though I'm not stuffing a lot of bread and not dipping things into the bread and not putting anything on the sandwiches. I'm eating it. I ate the bread in the beginning and now I'm, now I'm concentrating on the on the, uh, the protein and the carbs and the you know and all the things and the vegetables veggies are very good so I'm concentrating everything else right now okay at least you could say that the food accompanies the bread but if there's no bread how can you do it number two uh, it says in Shulchan Aruch and Kuf Ayin Ches that um, a bread needs a you need to uh, need to bench on bread where you ate i know a lot of people know that you could travel after having sat down and, and eaten the meal cuz you have to come back to bench there that's the point you have to come back to bench there so you you have to you ha- so now let's say you didn't have a kazais you made hamotzi lechem in arts you had your nibble and now you want to go into the kitchen so that's a shaila now from shining makum, from changing your place. Really, you can't change places from where you're sitting until you've already established that you ate there enough to bench. So, so you can't bench on that nibble. So therefore, going into the kitchen after you had a nibble is forbidden. You have to first eat a kezayis 
and then you can go in the kitchen to bring in something else. And I know many people who make hamotzi and then bring the food in. So that's wrong unless you had a kazayas. So that's a second reason why we should have a kazayas. The first one, it makes it a meal for the other foods to be accompanying it. And number two, that you can be able to move from one place to another without feeling that you, that you need a new bracha every time you come in and go out. So that, that's only when you had enough that you could say a bracha achron in that place. Okay? The same thing would go for any one of the five grains and maybe even for the, uh, for the other minim that, that were blessed in Eretz Israel. But if you, there's the bracha achrona that you have to make, the alamichi of the alakalkolo, or the alaeitz for your that bracha over there is supposed to be made right here where you ate. And since it's supposed to be right here where you ate, so then if you eat enough that you have to come back to this place, which means enough to say a bracha achrona, then you can go traveling around a little bit. With a big problem that comes up, and everybody knows it. Oh my goodness, I gotta move the car. Or else uh, somebody is at the doorbell. You know, you got to go outside. So now in the middle of the meal, you're not supposed to get up and go outside the door. But if you already ate enough to bench, and especially if you're leaving somebody here in the room with who's at you're sitting together with you, then you're allowed to go. And some people go very far away. And some people switch houses and go eat in Shalashudas. They started here and they ended over there. But you have to have over here the amount that would be mechai of you to bench, which means at least the kezayas of bread. So that's the second reason why you should have the kezayas of bread in the beginning. Now the other one is about natil sedayim. Natil sedayim, washing your hands, it works like this. If you have a crumb of bread or matzah on the table and you want to eat it, so the bracha is hamotzi, even if it's a crumb. The bracha is hamotzi. It could be an hour later on, you came back and you say, you see some crumbs on the table. The matzah was taka very good. Maybe there's a little salt there too. So you want to get that, you want to, the matzah was unbelievable, the challah was unbelievable. There's a little crumb there. And you know, rather than throw it out, and it tastes good, so you take and you put it in your fingers and you want to put it in your mouth. Now, what, do you, what bracha do you make? Hamotzi lechem, you know. That's, but do you have to wash your hands? No because it wasn't the size of a kezayas. When you have a size of a kezayas, you're eating a size of a kezayas, then you have to wash your hands. For the bracha of Alantia Sedayim, many hold that you have to have a kebeya size, which is the big piece of rye bread. That one single slice of white bread is not sufficient for the bracha of Alantia Sedayim. That if you have a sandwich... A uh, piece of uh, uh, peanut butter and jelly, or uh, you, you put on uh, a piece of cheese or something between two slices of white bread, then that's enough to wash your hands with a bracha. But if you're just going to have a little nibble, even if you even if you could even if you say you have to wash your hands because you have more than kazayas, but you didn't have enough for the bracha of almatil sedaim. And many people, oh, I can tell you, many people are not careful about that halacha. That halacha is. Wow, that halacha catches a lot of people. They change their mind also in the middle of the meal, and they wanted to eat that much. Now, did they get a, a bracha levatola? No. If you washed your hands and you said Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Shekidshan B'Tzavasivanu Alantilas Yodayim, and you didn't eat a bay of bread, you don't get a bracha levatola. But if you didn't have enough to say that, if, you, if you're only eating one single piece of white bread, you're not supposed to make al-tisadayim. That's inappropriate. But if you were planning to eat more and you eat less, there's no brachal of atal. And I'll, I'll do one better. Let's say you wanted to make, well, you made a mistake, could be a mistake. Let's say you made a mistake. You thought we were having challah, and instead they took out something that's mazonas. Or you talk, uh, changed your mind when you saw that uh, thing that came, that's, uh, you saw that they're serving at this meal, <laughs> at this meal. They're washing, they're serving uh, noodle pudding, and they have a very fancy casserole with potatoes. And you say to yourself, unbelievable. I mean, the carbs here are 
over the top. I'm going to have the I'm going to have the, this mizonos with that carb and this and that and bread too. It's like the Gemara says in Tamet Tipshoi. You know the Bavloi Tipshoi. They 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 eat naham and nahama. They eat bread and bread. It's like you know a, <laughs> you're eating. You're washing, make a mo- you eat a, a, eat a roll, and then you have, for the main course, you have pizza. I mean, this is like unbelievable. So the person said, I'm not going to wash it. But he already washed. And he said the bracha, well, does he have to force himself to eat bread? No. He washed with intent to eat bread that's the size of a bayah. He ate with intent. That was his wish, and he changed his mind it's not a bracha l'batala. It goes after the intent. So too, said Rav Moshe Feinstein, and this is a, a classic, classic Rav Moshe Feinstein. And, uh, you know, uh, I, and I think everybody really knows this. But they don't know this aspect of it. The famous question is pizza. Now, my Rebbe taught pizza's hamotzi, and Rav Debetzina taught pizza's hamotzi, Rav Zimmerman, my Rebbe taught that pizza is hamotzi. There are many people who make hamotzi on pizza. They don't care which one. And you, you, you could, you know, you have your tradition. And many, many people are making mizonos on pizza. And Ramosha Feinstein, Paskin, you make mizonos on pizza. But that's only if you have one slice and two was a question mark and three slices you have to make hamotzi. But one slice he felt could be mizonos. Now, let's say the person, we're talking about a guy with a big stomach. Uh, he, if he, it could be the big stomach before he ate or the big stomach after he ate. There's no question this is not the average guy. But you know, there are people like this. I know people like this, so, and they, they're real pizza people. He had one slice. Now he wants to have another slice. So according to Ramosha finds he's a shallow adventure. But he doesn't advise it, but he says the bracha is going to, he cannot be mechayev, you bench. Three slices, you bench. But what about the bracha of al What about the bracha of, for washing? Because if you're going to eat enough of this pizza dough, it requires you to bench, let's say the three slices, then you have to wait, you make baruch, you say al and you say, Hamotzi on the pizza, because that you're making it uh, as as a bread, and and then you bench. But what happens if you ate one slice, and then you decided to have another slice, and you decided to have another slice? You can't make You can't make a bracha Even on the third slice, you can't make alantisadayim, because alantisadayim is only made with the intent to eat a beya. A bread. And if you're not eating, if you're not intending to eat a bay of bread, you don't make the bracha of Al-Tisadayim. Rabbi, yeah. question. We are describing holding the pizza, pizza is, is a bread total. Yeah, I agree and with you, you. You said before, I, said, I agree that way. Yeah. But you said before that if you have a crumbs of bread on a table right. and you eat it, it's right. So what the difference between that's I don't understand why what okay, the let's difference go. The, let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain yes. to you. And this is one of the this is one of the things that you know it, it's so beautiful how they dealt with it. I mean, again, my Rebbe didn't learn this way, but it's so beautiful how David Feinstein with his father, you know, and how much work they did in it, and the experimentation and the and the calls that were made to the to the pizza stores. They really researched. They asked how many pizzas the pieces that people eat. Now the the theory is that a pizza as a presentation is, uh, is a mizonos because it's a snack. The average person, when they, they did their experiment, and they, they asked their different stores, and the, the results were, they don't get you know, a survey, and when the res- results came back, that the average person was buying one or maybe two slices. They were not buying three slices, and many of them were not buying two. They were buying one slice, and therefore it was considered to be a snack. But food. the Shulchan Aruch said it's a test. Okay, one second. Wait, wait, I'm going to go further. Yeah. Not only that, but the question is, now, again, it's, it's, uh, it's made, the real the pizza that we buy in the stores is made um, with the dough and the cheese and the sauce on top of it all in the oven at once. 
what you buy in the in the uh, in the packaged ones, the uh, frozen ones, sometimes they will they bake the bread separately, and then put the cheese on and the sauce, and it hasn't been cooked at all or very minimal, and really it was a bread before and never lost its shame of bread. That's what Belsky Paskin. But most people don't know that halacha. But you have now a bread, which, uh, which we, according to Rabbi Moshe, because it's used as a snack food, and, it's, uh, and it was made together, all, th- all the three parts are put together, and it's only a snack, so they, he paskined it as a snack food. Again, we didn't learn that way, and you don't learn that way, but that's what Rabbi Moshe learned. But I asked of David Feinstein. I said, Rebbe, I was very close to it one time. I just, you know, because it's just the dis- distance that was a little hard over the years. But, uh, but I, I still see him, Baruch Hashem. And say, so uh, I asked, I asked of David Feinstein, I said, what happens if somebody gives you the crust at the end of the pizza? So he says, that's hamotzi. But I said, but you're saying the pizza's mizonos. Yeah, the pizza as a whole is a snack food. But this is, not, cannot call it a snack food. The stuff is only flour and water. It's a mozi from beginning to end. And you're not eating it with, as a snack food, even if you're having a small amount. But the food, like you said, the crumbs on the table are hamotzi. So the, Rav David says, the, when I was young, we used to have this shayla. Was, this was a very famous shayla. was what they call kakush cake. We used to get yeast cake. The yeast cake in the old days is not like today. Today, a yeast cake is filled to the gills with chocolate. But when we were younger, you made it with a little bit of chocolate in there. It was spread throughout. It was just that, you know, you rolled it, and it, and it had a little taste like a cinnamon in the middle or a little chocolate. It wasn't heavy, heavy, heavy the way it makes they make it today. And what happened invariably is the two ends had no chocolate. The chocolate was concentrated on the three quarters of the middle. The two ends, and if you were stuck getting an end piece, there was almost nothing there of a, not even a sign that it had once had chocolate in there. Maybe a few, a little bit in the sides, a little cocoa was stuck in there somewhere. They paskin for us that that's hamotzi. So the same food could be mizonos, and the pieces that have only that are hamotzi. And now, how can you eat it then? You're starting in the middle, you're starting in the end. The answer is you're eating a snack food, and you ended off with something which was different. It's 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 a bottle. It's tafel. It's part of the whole mix. It's just like, for example, a person has a, a, a Danish, and the, and the Danish has a, like a cherry on top, or the Danish has a, some pecans, and the pecan falls off, or the cherry falls off, and you're eating made on maybe on the on the uh, Danish. And these little things fell off. And you pick them up and you eat them. Do you need a bracha on them? No. Because it was tough ale. It was included in. Just like it, there's a little milk left at the, at the cereal at the bottom. You don't need a bracha on that little bit of milk. Because that little bit of milk is a tough ale. If you pile on the milk because you want to have milk. You, know, you like to drink a lot of milk. So you, you, you pile it on and it gives you a to have a little sugar in it. And whatever. And so then when you're doing it like that. Because you want to have a lot of milk left at the end. Then you have to make a charcoal on the milk. But if you're having it left over, a little bit left over, anything like that, even though it's a different bracha, normally it's tough ale because it was part of this. But that's that's the way it's dealt with. So this is a, another reason why your person should make uh, should eat right away a kazayas when he starts off. But the other reason we mentioned is that you have to have enough for benching and in one shot. And if you me, the way we eat, we talk all the time. We're talking on the phone. People are texting. They're busy learning. Baruch Hashem. They're listening to the to, to, to J Root. Whatever they're doing, they're busy with other stuff. So when a, a person's eating, very often he could be taken away from his from his eating, and it gets harder to get this kazayas bechreirios pras to eat the piece the size of a kazayas in three to four minutes. And it's just, it, it gets difficult for people to keep that up. And that's the reason why we do it in the beginning. And the last reason is because we don't want to, we don't want to talk until you've eaten. And we said that the Mishnah Brewer says, 
and others. It wasn't just Mishnah Brewer. He didn't make this one up. This a, he says that we should. He said you should definitely try to eat the kazai, whole kazayas before you talk to anybody. And and some people, as I said, might even not put something on that bread until they get to the, to the end. And that doesn't mean to say you couldn't have a, a piece of bread uh, with, a, with a little bit of uh, schmear of uh, butter or uh, mayonnaise or, or something on the outside of the bread, because that's already the way, that's like you say, you, you make a sandwich, you make a mozi. But to go ahead and eat it with other foods on your plate, better to have a piece of bread straight. You don't have to rush. Three to four minutes? My goodness, do you know how, how long it takes to eat a piece of white bread? It takes about 30 seconds to eat a piece of white bread. Chew it and swallow it, maybe 30 seconds, 50 seconds, but it doesn't take three to four minutes. But a rye bread is slower, and some things, are, a bagel is going to be slow, but bagels are very concentrated, and they don't need too much in a bagel to be, uh, to, to be a kazayas. You can see it yourself with your own naked eye. If you cut a piece out the size of what you call kazayas, and then you'll see that it's, it doesn't take very much. It's not, they say that the concentration of a bagel, especially a New York bagel, would probably be like three or four slices easily of white bread. So, you know, it's not that big a piece that you have to have in order to be able to bench. So that gives you a little idea. I, I spent more time on that than I was expecting to, but that gives you a little idea. Now, let me tell you some halakhas which... You know, maybe you knew all that. Everybody knows everything here, you know, around here. So let's go on to a few halachas that are, that maybe you don't know. So the, the benching for, uh, for well, we're not going to go to mezuman. I'm just going to go into the, the actual benching itself. Uh, you have to bench in a way like it's davening, like a shmon esrei. There are many people very careful to wear a jacket or a hat for benching, men. Some people I've seen just wearing a hat and not wearing a jacket. They Somehow they have sources for that. To me, it looks very strange. People say looking with a hat is strange, but that's the way I saw it in the old days, and that's what I, that's what I do. And we wear a hat and a jacket, and it, because a hat and a jacket we wear for davening. It's a sign of kavod for respect. You know, until the 40s and 50s, until actually till Jack Kennedy, all men wore hats in the street. All men wore hats in the street. When they went into the house, they may took it off, take it off. When they came in front of a lady, you remove your hat. That's a sign of honor. That was the way the Goyim made a big deal about. But they always had hats. Look at a picture from the 1940s. Everybody is either wearing a hat or carrying it. Not one man without a hat. Not one. Today, the only people with hats are us, the from people. <laughs> I told the story. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say tell it over again. But I told it on the radio here, so I'm not going to tell it over again. But I just tell you that that one line there, that my principal from elementary school was stuck in the war. He, during the war, he was in California, and he was a he was a, from England, so he's like an he was like an he's an alien. He wasn't uh, born here and bred here in in America. It was Friday night. He's walking back. He was a single man, and he's walking back home from, from wherever he ate his meal, and he's wearing a hat. And the police came and stopped him. They said, uh, hello? And they asked him who he was, whatever it is. And as soon as he opened his mouth, they heard the accent, and they knew he was not an American. He's an English, Britishman, British fellow. So, he said, so they asked him, where's your alien registration card? I don't have an alien, but it's in the house. I'm not allowed to carry it. It's Shabbos. So I said, get in the car. We'll take you over there. So in the end, he got back, and obviously he walked along, and they told him not to put his hands up. It was an interesting little story. Anyway, the bottom line is, he was. why did they stop him? Because he's wearing a hat in California in the summer. Who wears a hat? Maybe I had it. It looked like a thing, a ten-gallon hat. Maybe something from you know from a rodeo or something. But who goes in a hat in California in the summer? You know, and at night, Friday night, whatever it is, they saw right away this guy's not from us. There's something here, something different. Yeah, because that's the way the Jews are. We are different. But 
whether you do wear a hat and you don't wear a jacket, I'm not going to get lost in that one. That's something that's more uh, that different people have different opinions. But one thing's for sure, we should be menschlich about how we look. You know, some people uh, got relaxed at the meal. They may have taken their shoes off. They may uh, be, you know, this, they may that. You know, is, is this the way you go to show? You know, you have to think about it. When, in what way would you go to show? This is davening. And we're supposed to concentrate on our davening, our birchas hamazon, as if it was a shmon esrei. You can't talk to anybody. You can't make signs to anybody. You can't nod to anybody. In the middle of Shimon Esrei, you, you, so you pop up and down and make signs and move your hands. and You wouldn't do that. I saw people it, texting. What? Texting. Okay. But I've seen people texting and show a lot. You know, we're talking about normal. We're talking about the right way. It, this should be like Shimon Esrei. And you shouldn't do any talking, any motioning. Now, you're going to tell me, what about, I saw the, the guy next to me forgot to say Ritzay. He didn't say Yavo. Okay, so what are we going to supposed to do? What do you do if your kid is there and he didn't do it? What do you do if the kid is making noise? Okay, so there's something times you're going to have to go ahead and, and you have to do what you have to do. If something falls down, you sit or falls down, some people pick it, they'll pick it up. I mean, there are things that happen in the middle of our Shemana which you also have to adjust. You know, but, but we're talking about how to conduct yourself, how to think of yourself as, as if you're standing before our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that bench, which we talked about in the beginning, that you should feel that you're enthusiastic about thanking Hashem. This is not just uh, like the mother taught you. Somebody gives you something, say thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. This is supposed to be thank you. Has to be from the heart. It has to be something that you, that that Hashem should feel that you're really thanking Him for the meal. It's a challenge. We all have the challenge, but that's the job. That's the way it is. Shmonesri is also a challenge. You know, there's a lot of things going on in, the, in your your brain, and a lot of things going on in the room. <laughs> and some people is that cell phone is going off, and sometimes the kid is making noise or in the, in the third reload three rows away from you, and you know this, and sometimes somebody's talking right near you. There's a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, your job is to make believe you don't see any, hear any of these things, and you've got to be concentrating. Now, when you're davening, you have to hear what you say. And when you bench, you have to hear what you say. Sometimes It's nice that you can hear a, a pin drop when people are benching. It's a beautiful thing. It's respect for everybody. I love it. Of course, the fellow who is benching for the, for the leader, he has to say, the Tlazanas call at least. He should be saying it loud. That's, that's our minig. Say it loud and tell us on the call. If you're the, if you're the one who's making the birch, uh, you know, doing the zimun, and then afterwards you have to say the brachas out loud and people think, so amen. Yeah, that we have to do. But the regular benching, we've got to do quietly. But if you don't speak, if nothing comes out of your mouth, then that's not benching. It's reading. And reading is not benching. It's not davening. It's not benching. The, 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 the first level of, of understanding is that we're actually davening, we're saying the words to Hashem, because Hashem wants us to, to talk to Him. It's not called talk when you're reading. It's interesting, we read a lot with our eyes, reading the pages, we can do very fast. In fact, there are speed readers among us. They can speed read the davening, they can speed read this. It's beautiful, you gotta, you, you're fast in the half. But is that, is that what davening is all about? Wasn't davening supposed to be a communication? It's, it's got to go with the proper uh, level that you you is saying the words. It shouldn't disturb other people. Even in Yom Kippur, you're not supposed to disturb other people. But that's, you, have to, you have to weigh the situation and see how much sound you can make without upsetting anybody. But a little bit of something has to come out and you should be able to hear it or be capable of hearing it. So uh, this, these are just some of the ideas. And of course, you should be sitting and not standing. That's, that's an olifal base also. A lot of people are not so careful about it. Now, the brachos, there are four brachos. The first bracha is Azanazakol, the second 
the third bracha, the fourth bracha ends Many people don't know about the fourth bracha. I don't know why not. I see people who do zimun, and they just they drop out by the fourth bracha. You don't hear them ending it because no one taught them. The bracha ends al That's where it ends, and you have to say that out loud if you're doing the zimun. If you're leading the zimun, you're supposed to say the fourth bracha out loud. And the first three brachos are from the Torah. That means that they actually were said in some form in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, the formation of the actual words that we have in our benching was not from Moshe Rabbeinu. I guarantee you. They were not from Moshe Rabbeinu. And it says in the Gemara that Rabbi, that Yahushua made the bracha of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu said Hazazakol. Yeshua did Alaratzia Mazon, and and David and Shlomo made the bracha of Uvnei Yerushalayim. The fourth bracha was done when they when they allowed the people from Yavna, Yavna to be uh, and the people from uh, not Yavna from where again uh, from where is it again from where they allowed the Beitar they allowed the people from Beitar to be buried. But that's that's the fourth bracha. It's different. That's the Rabbanan. But the first three brachos, some hold all three brachos as units were three brachos even from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. The form, the exact words, were written later. That's, that's a machlokas we've shown him, but definitely all three parts existed back in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's, that's how we understand it. And Moshe himself wrote the first bracha, and then Yeshua finished the second bracha, and and Shlomo finished the third bracha. And after they allowed the people from Beitar to be buried three years after their death, that's when the fourth bracha was done. Anyway, the important thing is there are differences between the first three brachas and the fourth bracha. But the first three brachas, you... Uh, there, there, there's, there's no leniency because it's one unit but after that there is some leniency and that's why if a person forgot to say we insert something a bracha after the third bracha before the fourth bracha which you have now five brachas and that's so there we have that leniency over there that freedom over there but you can't talk because the fourth bracha is required and so there's really no change, practical change, for us, whether it's the, f- the, the three brachas or the four brachas, and the nothing's supposed to happen. It doesn't mean you're supposed to talk afterwards. And some people end then in Some people say the rest of the benching, and uh, why should you lose it? Beautiful things to bench. Beautiful things. And the reason why we're adding all those things on, because now that we did a chashva benching, we have the re- permission to add on more requests. And even on Shabbos, we can say, now some don't say requests on Shabbos, and they stop at Ali Chasreinu, and they, they, they don't continue on the Harachamans. Some people do, some people don't. That's that Minhagim. I'm not going to get into that today. The, uh, basically, our time is almost up. I just want to tell you a few things. First of all, the next two weeks, I will not be here on the station, and they're going to play a replay of something that we did somewhere in the past. I don't know which ones. I have no control of that. I have to be in a, a two simchas, and I can't show up. So, uh, But in three weeks, we're going to be back in the beginning of September, and we're expecting some very interesting innovations that we're going to put into effect at that time. So make sure to join us. You can listen next week and the following week. At the same time, 6 o'clock, there'll be somebody else, something else will be playing here, hopefully one of my shows. And uh, but in two, in three weeks we'll be back in Hashem with some very in, innovative ideas which we ha- we're working on, and I also want to tell you that if you want to reach us at all during the week, our telephone number and I'm still around. I'm just going to the Simchus is seven one eight three three six eight five four four. That's the number of Kashrus magazine. If you're interested in getting a sample copy or our kosher supervision guide or our kosher travel guide, and we're also coming out with the new issue of the magazine, some very interesting things in there, together with a, an addendum to the, kosher, to the list of kosher symbols. We're already up to 1396. That's the new number of symbols and organizations we have listed in our kosher supervision guide. So if you're interested in that, 
you can contact us, 718-336-8544, or you can send me an email at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And in, and, and in three weeks, I'll be back together with you on the air. Until then, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine, wishing you a wonderful summer. Anywhere, anytime, for everyone. This is jrootradio.com.